Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Welcome, Lake Point family. And uh, hey, if you got your Bibles, head over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I also just want to say, every time I say that, I hear all these rustling pages. For a preacher, that is the best sound in the whole world. So John chapter 10, want to welcome everybody that's uh, here with us, joining in with us at all of our campuses, everybody joining in online. And uh, I keep saying this because it's important to me. I know that... Um, the, at this point, the vast, vast majority of our church has rejoined us in person and come on home. Uh, what I know is that, that we still got a percentage of you that, uh, for one reason or another, you're still joining in with us online and you're still in. Lake Point's still your church. You know, you feel, you know, connected as a body. And I just need you to hear from me uh, as your pastor that if you're still staying put, you know, for health reasons, high risk category, uh, that we honor that. I, I don't want you to feel any undue pressure from us. Um, but if you're in that category of people who you're kind of staying home more out of habit than health, I just want to say, come on home. Come on home. We got a lot of people who are excited to see you, and um, we love you, and can't wait to, uh, to see you see here. Well, um, here's where we are today, guys. We are in uh, week three of a series that we're just calling True North, where what we're doing is preaching through the I am statements of Jesus um, in the Gospel of John. Now, uh, let me just give the big reveal this is my way of getting to preach through a cross section of the Gospel of John. That's essentially what we're doing. Because all throughout the Gospel of John, um, whenever people ask Jesus, like, hey, who are you? Like, what are you about? Like, man, man what's your deal? Over and over again, Jesus responds with seven. He gives seven I am statements. You know, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, over and over and over. Now, what you may not know because it's lost on us as 21st century English speakers. It was not lost on them as first century Aramaic speakers. Jesus' I am statements were what got him killed. Because when Jesus made these I am statements, that was his explicit claim, I'm God. Now, if that doesn't make any sense, uh, let me just explain it. Um, in Hebrew, the, uh, the phrase I am sounds like Yahweh. Now, you may hear that and go, no way, Yahweh, okay? <laughs> Worked on that all week. And so uh, what we're doing is, uh, is we're doing that. We're going, hey, man, true north. Like, Jesus was God. Like, that's our thing. <laughs> that's our whole thing. Jesus was God. And so he's our true north. Like, we can line up everything, our beliefs, our systems, our values, our marriages, our finances, our relationships, our parenting, everything. We can go, man, if I'm aligned to him, I'm good, Okay? And so um, each week we've been preaching through one of these. So week one, last week, Pastor Mike Bro hit, uh, I am he. Jesus reveals who he is. 
woman of the well. First week, I hit uh, I am the good shepherd. Now, real quick, this is free, just a little aside. I was really bitter because the day after I preached the I am the good shepherd uh, message about how Jesus our shepherd, we are his sheep, literally the next day on Monday, I ran across this 17-second video that perfectly encapsulates my relationship with Jesus my whole life. And so uh, I, I want you to see this. There's no sound. So shepherd is getting this sheep you know, out of this tiny little ravine, I don't know, somewhere in the Middle East. So it gets him out, woohoo, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, boo, there it is, okay, that's right. Now, how many of you see that and you're like, that's me and Jesus my whole life, that, that's me, right? That, that's me, I, I saw that, I was like, that's our relationship. Well, uh, what we're doing this week is we are preaching the least popular, the most hated, and the single most controversial thing that Jesus ever said. In fact, if you take this entire book, besides what the Bible teaches on gender, marriage, and sexuality, there is nothing in our culture that is more hated by our culture that the Bible teaches than what we are teaching today. So here's what I got. I got my handy-dandy zoom in right here. This is my preaching helmet. (laughs) Now, here's why I got my preaching helmet with me, because there are some passages of the Bible that when you preach them, they get you applauded like a hero. And there are other passages of the Bible that when you preach them, they get you hammered like a nail. And so what I'm going to do today is, uh, here's what I'm going to do. You have a promise for me. I'm going to offend everybody because I believe in equality. So I'm going to do that. And so can I just, listen, let me just uh, settle ourselves because we are a Bible church. Because we are a Bible church, how many of us are okay with our pastor teaching something that's unpopular with the world as long as it's popular with God? Are we okay with that? Okay, we're good with that. Now, now listen, because you applauded, you gotta be okay with this message. So I got you, you're locked in. So let's get right at it. Jesus teaching today, he said, I am the door. Jesus did not say, I am a door. He said, I am the door. In fact, pick up with me in John 10, verse seven. Jesus says it like this. He says, truly, truly, he says it twice so they know how important it is. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And then he repeats it. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus puts this stake in the ground. I am the door. Um, In 2017, Jan and I had a chance, I'm kind of a big church history nerd, and so Jan and I had a chance to travel to Rome and to see a lot of the significant areas in church history. One of my favorite places, it was like both sad and significant to me, was visiting the Vatican, um, the place that's kind of the center of Roman Catholicism where the Pope ministers, and particularly, it was just overwhelming. Architecture was beautiful. I loved visiting St. Peter's Basilica. Um, That is the largest church building in the world, 60,000 people can cram into that sucker and, uh, and, you know, and, and be ministered to there. Um, while I was there, there was one particular spot that absolutely transfixed me. Go ahead and toss it on the screen. It was this. <clears throat> it is this door. It is immediately to the right of the main entrance of St. Peter's Basilica. And this door is called the Porta Sancta. I actually took this picture, the Porta Sancta. What's interesting about this door is it was a tradition begun by Pope, let me make sure I get this right, Pope Martin V in the 1400s. And here was a tradition. 
This door is almost never open. In fact, it's only open once every 25 years. What's interesting about this door is if you go around to the other side, you don't even know a door's there because not only is the door not open, it's not able to be opened. There's a cement wall built on the back of this door so that it cannot be opened, except every 25 years, the Pope issues a decree in what's called a, the, a year of Jubilee, every 25 years. And that cement wall is torn down. And it is said, according to, to tradition, that the Pope issues a decree that what are called plenary indulgences. A plenary indulgence is kind of a, a written decree by the Pope that your sins are absolved for paying some money or doing some act. By the way, that's like not a thing. Like I just need you to know that like, that's not a thing. Uh, there is more evidence for unicorns in the Bible than plenary indulgences. I just need to say that. And so the Pope, uh, listen, I may not always be liked, but I'm always gonna be clear. Just want you to know that. So the Pope issues this decree that once every 25 years in the year of Jubilee, that cement wall is torn down. And anyone who passes through that door, the Porta Sancta, has their sins absolved. And I just sat there and I was transfixed. And while I was looking at this door, I thought two things. Number one, I thought, our greeting team needs to start wearing that outfit. <laughs> and then I thought of this verse where Jesus says, I am the door. And I looked at that door and I thought, man, a narrow door through which anyone who passes has their sins forgiven. And then I thought, we've already got one of those. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> we got one of those. But watch this. <clears throat> But watch this, our door is better than that door because it's not cemented shut, it's nailed open. And Jesus in this passage, this is what he says, unequivocally, without any ifs, ands, or buts, what Jesus is doing here is um, he's talking in the context of a shepherd with a sheep. And whenever a shepherd would be with a sheep like out in the wilderness, what a shepherd would do to keep his sheep together, particularly at night, because there was no pen, the shepherd would find like a, a stone wall or an outcropping and take a bunch of stones and set them in a semicircle, but he would leave one narrow opening so that he could get the sheep in and out of this makeshift pen. In order to keep the sheep in at night, what the shepherd would do is he would literally lie down at that one open spot uh, across it and literally himself become the door to the pen so that there was no way out except through the shepherd and there was no way in except through the shepherd. And in this passage, when Jesus says, I am the door, Jesus is unequivocally saying, there is only one way in to a relationship with God. There is only one way in to forgiveness of sins. There is only one way in to a relationship, uh, to eternal life. And he's going, that's me. I'm it, there is no other way. Every other way that has ever been proclaimed is a lie, I'm the only one. Now listen, when I say that, what I know is that in our culture, particularly in my generation and down, a lot of people, when you hear that, you go, man, that right there, what you just said, that's my problem with Christianity. You're like, man, in fact, when I'm talking about that, you're going, man, I'm locking on that. That is exclusive and it's narrow-minded. And I just wanna say this in a very straightforward way. Friends, we are only as exclusive as Jesus was exclusive. Christians teach the exclusivity of Jesus because Jesus taught the exclusivity of Jesus. And so in this way, I will not lie to you. 
Christianity absolutely is an exclusive claim. Jesus, when he came, he did not say that he was a way, a truth, and a life. There are many ways to come to God, and I'm one of them. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to come to God except through me. In this passage, Jesus did not say that he was, Jesus did not say, if you're gonna clap, you gotta like commit, you gotta go for it. It, In this passage, Jesus did not say, he did not say that he was a door. Jesus in this passage said that he was a door. He said that he was the door. And so I want you to picture this in your heads. Picture in your head, if you can, get some mental image of eternity, whatever that looks like in your head, get that picture in your head. And then I want you to picture one single solitary door in the middle of eternity. And Jesus is saying that there is one door, there is a door that separates us from God, life from death, heaven from hell. And this is an exclusive claim. There is no salvation apart from Jesus. There is no forgiveness of sins apart from Jesus. There is no eternal life apart from Jesus. There is no way to have a relationship with God apart from Jesus. And so yes, in that sense, Christianity is an exclusive claim. But I want you to think about this. When Jesus says he's a door, a door is by its very nature, I want you to think of two words when you think of a door. Think of the word only and think of the word any. If there's a door in your house and somebody wants to get into a room, that door is the only way, it's exclusive. It's the only way to get to that destination. And so in that sense, it is exclusive. But watch this, that door is also radically inclusive because in your house, anybody that passes through that door can get to their desired destination. And so when Jesus says that he is the door, yes, He's saying that this is an exclusive claim, but watch this. It is also the most radically inclusive claim that any religion in human history has ever made. Uh, In some religions, it's desirable that you be of a certain race, ethnicity, or people group for you to sort of be in with God or be in his good graces. In Christianity, there, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. All are welcome to pass through the bloodstained door of Jesus. In some religions, it's preferable that you learn Hebrew or Aramaic, that you learn a particular language for you to understand the revelation of God and and sort of be in his good graces. In Christianity, every tribe and tongue will worship before the throne of the narrow door himself, Jesus Christ. In some religions, uh, it's better that you're a smart and studious, wise and well-reasoned person so that you can understand a particular revelation or reason your way up to God or to enlightenment. In Christianity, God has chosen what is weak in the world and foolish to shame that which is wise. The weak and the strong, the wise and the foolish are welcome to pass through this narrow door. In some religions, It's better if you are affluent or wealthy uh, or of uh, great financial means so that you can purchase particular seats on holy days or pay to make pilgrimages to make your way into God or to, to get close to him. In some religions, if I may use that word exceedingly loosely, like Scientology, in some religions, you pay large amounts of money to go through layers of teaching, training, and cleansing. But in Christianity, the rich and the poor the upwardly mobile and the down and out are welcome to pass through the door of Jesus Christ. 
In some religions, in fact, in every religion that has ever existed besides Jesus, besides Christianity, besides the gospel, you must be a good person, a moral person. At the end of time, it's as if there's a scale and your good deeds have to have outweighed your bad deeds because religion divides the world into categories of good guys and bad guys, but the gospel divides the world into bad guys and Jesus. Those are the only two categories, Jesus says. Some of you have done things that are so wicked, so cruel, so wrong, that if they were found out about, you would lose every relationship you have, you would be canceled forever, you would lose your job, you would get put on a registry, you would never be able to do anything in public ever again. In Christianity, the most reprehensible among us, the person who has done the worst thing, the most unimaginable thing their entire life, if you genuinely repent and you turn to Jesus and you pass through that narrow door, even in your dying breath, you will be embraced by the God of the universe as you pass through that narrow door, Jesus Christ. So listen, what all this means is that it doesn't matter where you came from, what you've done, what you believed, or how you behaved. If you come to Jesus, he will receive you, he will forgive you, he can change you, and he will never leave you and never forsake you because he is the door. And anyone who passes through that door, anyone who passes through that door will be welcomed home, welcomed home by God. Now listen, let me answer some objections. Because I know in our culture, listen, in our culture, Romans 12, one says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Uh, and the image of that verse is it's, it's as if there's a mold and every part of this world is, is trying to press you into this mold of particular behaviors and beliefs. In our culture, every part of our culture, the education system, every media outlet that you, you, know, that you ever lay your eyes on, movies, entertainment, uh, social media, everything, is trying to press you, particularly in my generation and down, is trying to press you into a particular mold of secular behavior and belief. So listen, let me answer some objections to this. And here's the primary objection. Some of you will hear that and you'll hear it's exclusive, but it's radically inclusive. And you'll skip the inclusive part, focus on the exclusive part, and you go, I hate that. I don't like that. Because it's intolerant, it's exclusive, and it's non-affirming. It's intolerant, exclusive, and non-affirming. To that objection, let me just say two things. One, guys, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it isn't true. Like right after uh, all the COVID lockdown stuff, uh, after all that stuff, you know, shelter in place happened, I stepped on the scale for the first time. Looked down and two things happened. I didn't like it and it was still true. <laughs> Just because you don't like something doesn't mean it isn't true. Okay, but, but watch this. If you look at this, at this concept where Jesus says, I am the only way, and you say, man, that's not tolerant, inclusive, or affirming. Now, this is the part of the message where I'm really gonna need my preaching helmet. So track with me. What I'm getting ready to say is super unpopular. And if you cut me off mentally in five seconds, you're gonna leave really mad. But track with me for 30 seconds. Okay, if you look at this and you go, man, I hate that because it's not tolerant, inclusive, or affirming. Listen to me, especially if you're in my generation and down. The Bible teaches that this entire world is lorded over by the father of lies that he is on a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, 365 day a year disinformation campaign to press you into this mold of behavior and belief in the world. 
And what he's constantly doing, one of his primary strategies is the prince of darkness masquerades as an angel of light. So what he wants to do is take wicked, wrong, untrue things and package them inside of good words so that you will accept, do, and believe wrong things. Now, if you don't believe me, uh, let me give you an example. Now listen, this is part, don't, ch- don't check out on me in five seconds, you gotta stay with me for 30. Let me give you an example. Is the word justice a good word? Is justice a good thing? Yes, justice is a good thing. What does the Lord require of you except to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God? But is everything that's being done in our culture under the label of justice a good thing? No, room just got real awkward. Okay, let me give you an example. If you were to rewind eight months and go to a particular part of downtown Dallas, you would see a riot. And if you were to ask people in that riot, like, hey guys, what are you doing? Well, we're looting and burning down the businesses of innocent business owners. And then you were to go, oh, well, why are you guys doing that? Because of justice. Now, how many of you, when you heard that, you were like, hmm, seems a bit off. Seems a bit off. Okay, now you see what I'm, not, what Satan will constantly try to do is take wrong things and package them inside of good words so that you'll accept wrong things. Now, let me give you another another example. What about the three words, tolerance, inclusivity, and affirming? Tolerance, inclusivity, and affirming. Are those good words and good things? Yes, they are. But is everything that you're being told you have to believe under the label of tolerance, inclusivity, and affirmation, are all of those things of God? No, they're not. Man, so some of you, what that does is some of you, you look at this claim where Jesus says, I am the only way. I am the only way to God. And you look at it and you're like, you're like man, that's intolerant, exclusive, and non-affirming. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. When you go home tonight, what do you have on the front of your house? When Jesus says, I'm the door, and you go, that's intolerant, exclusive, non-affirming. Okay, let me ask you this question. When you go home tonight, what do you have on the front of your house? A door. Hypocrite. (laughs) Hypocrite. So why don't you go home, take the door off its hinges, practice tolerance, inclusivity, and, uh, and affirmation, and let anyone who wants to come into your house come to your house, no matter what time of day or night they wanna come in, and no matter what they wanna do to your wife and children, you do that. You see, no one would do that. Nobody would do that. In fact, why, when a good, loving dad puts a strong, locked door on the front of his house, Does he do that as a symbol of love or hate? Love, because he loves his family and he is unwilling that anyone should come into his house that would harm his family. In fact, that's why you moved to Texas where there's open carry, (laughs) so that you could harm anybody who would try to come into your house that would try to harm your family, okay? Now watch this. Guys, God is a father, heaven is a home, and we are his kids. And because God has loved us, he put a door on the front of his home. Jesus is that door. Jesus is that door. He did that because he loves us. Now, second, let me me just do this. 
Some of you, again, it's that do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Everything in our culture, education system, culture, media, entertainment, social media, everything is trying to press you, especially my generation and down, to believe a certain set of things. Here's one of those things this world wants you to believe. Oh, all religions are equally valid paths to God. And it's offensive to say anything else. All religions are equally valid paths to God. Guys, can I just show you something really quick? If that's you, like, let me just track with me. Will you just reason with me for just a second? Okay, let me give you an example of this uh, that happened 112 miles from where I'm standing right now. In 1959, there was a young man named Vernon Wayne Howell that was born. Um, From the time he was born, everyone around him just started noticing that there was something special in this young man. He was intelligent. He was charismatic. He seemed to have supernatural insight into spiritual things. And so he grew up in his church with just a brilliant spiritual insight. Some people say by the age of 15, Vernon Wayne Howell, who you know but you don't know that you know, Vernon Wayne Howell had memorized the entire Christian New Testament, age of 15. In 1983, he defected from the Seventh-day Adventists and he started claiming that he had the gift of prophecy, that God was speaking to him directly. And to prove it, he started memorizing not just the Bible, but entire religious books. Vernon Wayne Howell, who you now know as David Koresh, ended up forming the Branch Davidians who set up their headquarters in Palestine, Texas, and eventually relocated to Waco. He started uh, recruiting adherents from all over the world. And what he did is Vernon Wayne Howell, David Koresh, ended up claiming that he was the Christ, he was a modern day Christ, and told women that if they didn't sleep with him, that they would go to hell. So sleeping with him was a pathway to heaven. Over the course of the next few years, David Koresh manipulated, abused, and sexually assaulted dozens or hundreds of women and girls under the guise of his religion. By 1993, he had over 100 adherents to his Branch Davidians religion until the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms raided his compound. Six people were shot. And what he did is he gathered all the people that were left and he claimed that the government was trying to undermine their religion. And if they capitulated to the government, that they would all be condemned and go to hell. After a 51-day standoff, David Koresh ended up barricading 76 people, mostly women and children, inside of their compound, locking the doors, setting the place purposely on fire, and holding down women and children forcibly as they were burned alive in the name of his religion. Now let me ask you one more time. Are you sure you believe that all religions are equally valid paths to God? You sure you believe that? In fact, what I'd say is no one who listens to this message, not one person, actually believes that all religions are equally valid paths to God. In fact, what I wanna show you is you already have some standard by which you accept some religious claims and reject other religious claims. The question is not whether you should have some standard by which you accept some and reject other religious claims. Here's the question. What's the right standard? That's the question. How can I know? Thousands of people have claimed to point the way to the door. Which one is the right door? that enters into eternal life in a relationship with God. Which one's the right door? Well, guys, this is actually a really obvious answer to me. The greatest human problem is death. 
So here's the answer. Who defeated death? That's the right answer. In fact, God, God said this. He just very explicitly said this. In Acts chapter 17, God said this. He said, he, God, has given proof of this to everyone. How? By raising Jesus from the dead. God made it clear. Who defeated death? Let me say some things in a very straightforward way because I'm a pastor and I love you. Buddha is dead. You can see his grave in China and his way was a lie. Muhammad is dead. You can visit his grave in Saudi Arabia and his way was not true. Confucius is dead. You can visit the burial site of one of his teeth in Shandong, China, and his way was not true. Jesus is alive, and he is a door to a relationship with God, forgiveness of sins, power for change, and nobody comes to the Father except through him, but anyone can come to the Father who is willing to come through Jesus because he is the open door. His door is open. In fact, let me just say this to you again in a very straightforward way. While you are alive, that door is open to you, and the second you die, that door slams shut forever and you never have another chance to walk through that door. Hebrews 9.27 just says it very straightforward. It just says it like this. It is appointed unto man once to die and then comes judgment. When you die, your opportunity to pass through that door is over forever. But as long as you're still breathing, there's still hope. Guys, reincarnation is a lie. Purgatory is a lie. There is no chance for you to go to some intermediate state and have your sins burned off and then maybe you'll make it in. Purgatory is a lie. There is no chance, second chance for salvation. Like after you die, maybe you'll get some revelation and then you can decide and then you can pass through the door. That second chance for salvation is a lie. While you're alive, the door's open. And the second you die, that door closes. And right now, that door is open to you. And he beckons you to come. Like, man, like, come home, come home. Man, some of you, um, here's like your life right now. Revelation 3 says that here's Jesus' relationship with that door. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and I'll eat with him and he with me. And for some of you right now, last four, six weeks, whatever it is, like, you know God's knocking at the door of your heart. And for some of you, it's real quiet. But for some of you, every time you walk in this place, it's... And I know for some of you, like the only thing that's keeping you from opening that door, let me give you a visual, is because of like what you've done or like um, how long you've been running from God, what you think God's gonna do is like, Man, if he opens that door and he sees this you, he's just gonna. Like, man, get in the doghouse, want you to clean your life up, try to do the right thing for four or five years, and they're like, they're like maybe. But that's not what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus said, man, like, I'm standing at this door knocking, and if anybody, doesn't matter what you've done, where you are, what you, what you believe, if anybody opens that door, he says, I'm gonna come in. So here's what's gonna happen. If you'll just open that door by faith, you're gonna open it and you're gonna find God there with open arms. Just like, man, like, come on home, man. Like, come on home. I've been waiting this whole time. Like, come on home. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. 
And so the question is like, all right, man. So then like, how, how do I pass through the door? Well, the Bible says this in a very straightforward way. Somebody asked Peter that one time, the apostle Peter. And here was his answer. He said, it's easy. He said, repent. And all that means is do a U-turn. It just means come home. Like start, you've been living for other things. Like, man, place your faith in Jesus and start, start living for and trying to follow Jesus as best you know how. So repent. And then he says, and be baptized. You saw that earlier. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power for a life change. And so that's all it takes is faith, repent and do your U-turn. And then it says to be baptized. Now, next week, we're gonna have probably the most fun service of the entire year at Lake Point Church. It's Baptism Sunday. We're gonna baptize hundreds of people in one week. This is my chance to convince you to pass through this door and be baptized next week, okay? Baptism is like, it's an outward representation of the inward reality of faith in Jesus, okay? Um, It's like a wedding ring. I got my little silicone workout band on today, okay? It's like a wedding ring. Um, Can I be married to Jana without this wedding ring on? Yeah, I can. She's gonna have some questions, okay? Can you be saved without being baptized? Yeah, you can. I think God's gonna have some questions and and he's gonna be asking the same question Jana would be asking me. He'd be going like, why don't you want anybody to know? Why don't you want anybody to know that like you're all in with me? And so that's my question for you. If you haven't been baptized since the moment that you genuinely placed your faith in Jesus, like it's, it's time. It's time to let everybody know like I'm with Jesus. That's my door. So here's what I want. This message is over. I want you to do this right now. I want you to grab your phone. And I, I just want, if you're, where, if you're ready, like I, I need to do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do that. I just want you to text the word life to the number 20411. Like right now in your seat, text the word life to 20411. And let's like, let's make this, let's make this Facebook official. Like let's, let's go public. Like I'm with Jesus. And it's real, okay? Let me pray for us and for all the people who are gonna pass through that door. Father, thank you so much that you loved us enough to not only open a door, but to tell us who it was. Jesus, thank you for saving us. Jesus, thank you for being resurrected. Jesus, thank you for welcoming us home. Jesus, thank you for giving us your spirit for life change. Jesus, we love you. And your name is the name that is above every name. We love to speak your name. We love to sing your name. We love to pray to your name. Jesus, you are precious to us. And so God, I pray that today you would compel hundreds and thousands of people home to Jesus Christ, friend of sinners. We pray it in your crucified, risen name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, Join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.